everyone welcome to my tales from the porch right now I'm actually not on the porch I'm actually in the car driving of course with my microphone on and headset to keep things safe welcome to the third episode of my podcast this is the tale of waiting for the showdown at the OK Corral We have mediation coming up in about five or six days. We're at the, almost at the end of the business week here. I am headed to the courthouse to take care of a little bit of business before the mediation. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about what it's like from my experience and tell you the tale of... waiting for the showdown. This is a showdown that is about one issue in particular. It has to do with time sharing. At this point in time, NIM has been, we'll say in the Coolingo couch surfing, but it's really very less glamorous. He's a middle-aged, so in his mid-50s man who cannot keep a job because of his issues. He cannot maintain himself in the same home, house, couch, room, whatever he chooses to rent out for more than a couple of months. The longest that he was able to stay somewhere was approximately about eight months, and those were with a bunch of pot-smoking college guys. Yes, very inappropriate for that age, but, you know, not to judge. Okay, I'm judging. However, this is the point. It's hard to piss off a bunch of people who are high all the time and really don't care a lot. But I suppose when you do whatever he did, probably stealing, whatever else, he had to move out of there. And, of course, he made himself the victim because he said that they smashed his car and put sand or salt or something like that in his gas tank. And I had to chuckle when I heard that story because I can't tell you how many of his diatribes he used to tell me about people that he didn't like, either in his neighborhood when he was growing up, his neighborhood when he was in college, yes, even the neighborhood when we were married, he would do a lot of destruction to people. And one of the biggest things that he would do was put things in people's gas tanks. So, haha, anybody out there who's needing to hear about some karma, we've got some of that for you. So knowing that that's his situation, the bees really need to be protected because the law in the state, again, as you've heard me probably previous, previously say, the law states that in order for me to say no, they cannot go with him overnight. I need a court order to do that. Or else in this state, I am in violation of the custody or time-sharing agreement. And it is very possible that not only would I be held in contempt and sentenced to a couple of days in jail, which this girl don't look good in orange, so I'm not going there. However, the more dangerous part is for me to then lose custody and the girls would have to stay with him full time. There's also a lot of empathy going on in the economy in 2017, 2018, 2019. In this county where I am 
designated to do all of my divorce law things, family court. Uh, there's been a lot of sympathy for uh, dads who have lost their jobs and have to downsize or share a place with somebody. Probably in most of those cases, it's probably a, a parent who has been fell on some tough times. Maybe it's the first or second time it's happened. Maybe they have to move in with family members or a good friend. Maybe they do end up sharing a house or a residence. Maybe they even do rent a hotel for short-term time frame so that when they do see their children, it's as stable as environment as possible. However, Nim, that is not his situation. And so we need, we need the people who make decisions and the people in power here and in authority here to understand this so we can get some things corrected. And just as I suspected, when you're dealing with a sociopath, especially a narcissistic sociopath, when you start to set down some boundaries and you show that you're going to follow through and be serious about the boundaries that you're laying out, the problem of what happens is for every action that you make, it's not an equal and opposite reaction. It's a very unequal revenge. There's always vengeance that will come. A lot of rage. Sometimes it's silent and sneaky and sometimes it's very verbal uh, out, outcome. This is again where that idea of a hurricane is. So here I am this week. I'm watching the hurricane come as we go for this showdown. So basically how mediation works in this area is that the two parties are coming together and are forced to start off in the same room with a mediator and if anybody has an attorney. So at this point, there will be the mediator and then we will have Nim and I don't know if he has an attorney or not. We'll have to find out in the next episode to see if he did have an attorney or not. The next episode will include the results from the OK Corral showdown and we will also have a special guest. So we're back to dealing with who is who who is there and what happens and the attorney or the mediator starts with what happens. Now I have a, an attorney. He really is a wonderful attorney and I have to say he's a person of good character, good hearted, not not a used car salesman type attorney. I, I feel like he really does have a, a good heart and is coming from the right place and things. And, and he and I have gotten to know each other in such a nice working fashion over the last many years that he's been my attorney. So he knows um, the character of Nim. He, he gets all of this and that is one of the things that I think that's important. If you're seeking going and trying to find an attorney to help you, I think it's of the utmost importance that you interview and find out somebody who understands serious mental health issues and understands the dynamics of dealing with a sociopath within the divorce process. They need to understand that a lot of the usual tactics that are done in lawmaking and in trying to do these things usually make things, the situation worse. So there has to be a very good dialogue and a very good understanding 
of what this is all about. So I've just parked and I've arrived at the courthouse to go in and like I said, tend to some some business here. So I'm going to finish up this segment real quick and we'll have a quick break and then I'll come back. And as I'm driving back from the courthouse, I'll talk to you a little bit more about how I'm feeling and my concerns and some of the tricks that NIM is starting so that if this ever happens to you, you can just notice what this is. And sharing this is part of my coping skill as well. So thank you all for listening. I do really appreciate it as well. So once the attorneys and and or and the parties are there with the mediator, sometimes you get a lazy ass mediator. Now the last time we mediated, I had a lazy ass mediator, meaning he sat there and did nothing but introduce something. Then he asked Nim a question and Nim started to get into his victim mode, which Nim usually uses these opportunities to continually make himself the victim. He knows he has to be very controlled and cannot act out. Remember, sociopaths and narcissists are very controlled. They do not have impulse control issues. They are very controlled of what they do. Think about that and and we'll be breaking that down more as I, as I share more of my story with you in other episodes, he knows that. So in order for him to be able to win something, he's got to really paint himself as the victim. So let's think about what he has to do. He has to start whining and being dramatic. And, and so the last time I went to mediation with him at this courthouse and in this situation with this attorney, my attorney had just had back surgery and was coming back from back surgery and about 20, 30 minutes into the mediation, my attorney decided that his back was hurting and he decided to lay on the floor of the separated rooms. And that was okay with me for that time. But then as things escalated, it became not okay and I became completely paralyzed in fear and lost my ability to talk and um, to use my words to express what I needed. I was basically having the start of a panic attack and fight or flight. And in my fashion, sometimes I ended up fighting back with really nasty words. And that's the problem is then those of us who are really the survivors of these relationships, we're the ones who start to look like the bad people because we're normal human beings are relatively well adjusted with a full ability of compassion and uh, and empathy and emotion and reaction but remember again a lot of this me coming out of this and most people who do come out and have to live years and years and years in these divorce situations trauma is one of the one of the circumstances that really can come from this so when the mediator started last time, the lazy mediator, he said one thing, Nim started on his, oh, poor me, she's so awful, Uh, uh, uh." and his attorney was present. Uh, His attorney, he needs a name, I'm just going to call him Snake, because that's the best name for him. Snake was quiet and let him go on, and I had such a 
visceral reaction that I rolled my eyes and shifted in my seat and made like a sound and the mediator said, oh, that's it. Everybody go their separate ways, which was probably a good idea at that point. And that's okay. I had no intention of mediating at the same table with Snake or with Nim. We went our separate ways, go in, told you about how my attorney had to lay on the floor, blah, blah, blah. So what happened was the mediator ended up going in and listening for about an hour to Nim using this for his personal therapy session, quote unquote therapy session, to piss, moan, whine, and complain about me. Snake egged him on. They told the mediator tons and tons of lies, okay? So don't expect the truth out of any of this. The mediator comes in and starts to say, I think this, and my attorney said, hey, so-and-so, whatever, lazy mediator, um... Here's the real facts. This is the situation. This is this guy's MO. Gave him a quick rundown and said, here's what this client is looking for. Here's what my client wants and what my client needs. And then after that, the lazy mediator sat in my mediation room with my attorney laying on the floor. And then the mediator pretty much just sat there and observed the rest of the time. I don't even know that he took that many notes. He certainly didn't help any negotiation process because guess what happened? Snake came in and Snake started to stand over me like he's done before in court, pointed his finger at me in my face. So I'm sitting in a chair and he's standing over me pointing at my face and he is saying to me, why do you hate your ex-husband so much? When are you going to stop hating him? Now, Snake and I have tangled in and out of the courtroom many, many times. Snake eventually dropped Nim as a client after years, because guess what? Nim eventually ended up turning on him and Snake because he was really, I think, only in his law practice for the money. He then fired Nim as a client. And it was very interesting for me to hear how all of that came to me. So I'm not concerned that it'll be Snake this time. It may be somebody new and, you know, that's always a thing. Who are you going in the showdown with? Somebody you know or a duel that you don't know? The shooter that you know, the shooter that you don't know. Snake was yelling at me and my response to him because I was starting to panic. It was a lot of time in there. I wasn't feeling well. Nobody else was doing their job, which seems what continues. What I expect to happen in these showdowns doesn't actually turn out to be any kind of anything. Nobody's doing anything. There's no sheriff running there. And P.S. My sheriff, the sheriff of the Wild West, is not allowed in the room, so he can't even help any of this along at all. So I don't even have a sheriff in there. So it really is kind of the craziest wild west. Um, He started yelling at me and I yelled back at Snake. I said, it's not him that I hate. It's you that I hate and your continued tactics to bring me down. But unfortunately, I screamed that. That probably wasn't so good. And of course, when I get mad, I'm a crier. And I started hyperventilating. And finally, finally, 
I screamed to him, get out of this. I don't want you in this room anymore. And the mediator was shocked. He probably thought he was just watching an episode of Netflix. And I think if he could, I imagine him just sitting back and eating popcorn while the dust from all this OK Corral is going on and there's just guns slinging and everything's going everywhere. The mediator just was sitting there letting the dust go all over the place. And my attorney is laying on the floor. So guess what? I'm not letting that happen again. Yes, my attorney is healthier. No, I'm not going to let him lay on the floor. And certainly in my intention for going in is going to be very different this time. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to head into the courthouse, do what I need to do, come back out, and then we'll get into a little bit more of what's next. Okay, thanks. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, y'all. I just left the okay corral and everything was okay. If y'all ever need to know when a good time is to go to do some business at your corrals, your places of showdown, <laughs> aka the courthouse, wow, Friday afternoon is really good because you know what? Most judges and attorneys don't work Fridays at all and uh, everybody there seemed to be really helpful today. So got all the business taken care of. We're a couple days out from the showdown. We'll see what happens. Yesterday, no, pardon me, let me back up one more. I'm sorry, since I'm, uh, since I'm in my, my great white horse here. Sorry, someone almost bumped into me. Since I'm in my great white horse, I don't have my show notes, but I do remember what I wanted to say. The other, the other day, I did hear from Nim. I had to send him a bunch of medical bills because that's part of his responsibility is to pay those so I sent them to him and he sent me back an email saying Jessica colon I'm pretty impressed with his fancy use of punctuation let's get straight to the point period I don't have any money I just lost my job again and I have no place to live and went on with his usual whining. And then at the end he said, let's stick with Saturday, pardon me, let's stick with Sunday afternoon visits for now. Period, end, done. During the week, that was probably on Monday this week, then during the week I had to send him all the medical bills that I took the girls to different, you know, orthodontist, dentist, doctor, prescriptions, all that kind of stuff this last week. So I sent him all of those bills plus some things from school that he's responsible for paying half of and I got a simple one sentence reply back I don't have enough money to pay those bills period in the other email he did say to me the one first one that week he did say to me that he was sorry that he could not do what he was supposed to and that he can't support anything he can't even figure himself out his usual so either I get very pitiful, pity me, I'm so sorry, which I know none of that is heartfelt, or I get nasty. This last one of neutral, one of the first times I've gotten neutral, and neutral always bothers me because it means something is being cooked up by somebody that is guiding him. And when he is guided, that usually means more drama and more problems because as wicked and as crazy as he is, he always ends up shooting himself in the foot. So 
we'll see. But when he's got a coach or someone guiding him along, it usually means a tougher showdown for me. And what is what is, and I'm just remembering God is bigger than all of us. We're covered in prayer. We're, oh, we're going to be okay. Well, guess what? Last night, Gwen, me, I was out having some fun with some friends. And the sheriff was taking care of the bees and got them dinner and helped them with their homework and all the things that the sheriff does to make them be okay. And little B had had a lot of stress this week. School stress, little social stress. Big B, social stress, physical stress, both lots of stress. I got a text from little B around 8.30 saying good night, and I texted her back good night. I was just getting ready to leave with some of my, with my friends, just getting to leave around 10 p.m. I don't know about you, but most kids are usually in bed by then, especially little B. She goes to bed early. Big B, she's a night owl, so she can be all over the map. Little B sends me a text that she's really upset. I said to her, well, I'm just heading out. I'm 10 minutes away from home. I'll be there. Can you ask, and she, Grandpa, can you ask Grandpa to, is he helping you? What's going on? Did you tell Grandpa? She says, I'm going to go tell Grandpa what's going on. Okay, so, knew the sheriff was in charge. Don't panic when I know the sheriff's there. So, got home, and little B was hysterical. She was in a, the ends of a full-out panic attack. And the sheriff said... I had her take care of herself, blah, blah, blah. So I asked little B, what's going on? She says, my phone kept going off and she was really bothered because she keeps her phone in a different part of the house, a place that I can see, it's sort of a neutral place, but she can hear her alarm in the morning from that to help her get up and help her start being responsible, seeing as how she's almost 12 or she's 11 and a half so in middle school helping her get up by an alarm so her phone kept going off and it woke her up and she said she was already having some trouble trying to fall asleep because she was just stressed out and and, uh, not feeling well turns out her dad yes Nim he Uh, told her to call him. And if I believe the story correctly goes that he first sent her a text message and normally he texts her once every six, seven weeks. He's really, he's really in a lot of contact with Big B, but Little B, not so much with a phone number on it and then it said can you please call me that phone number was my phone number and when you look at the time of what started to happen it looks like Nim called her first and it came up she has this number saved in her phone as dad it came up 
his number. And of course, she was asleep. He called several times in a row. Then he sent her a text message with my phone number on it to try to trick her into calling him. And then after that, he sent her a couple more texts asking her to call him. And then the last text he wrote, and that was probably around 1030. I was already home by then. And at this point, the sheriff, when the first stuff started coming in and she was having a panic attack about what to do, the sheriff helped her and told her, you can answer or or not. You were sleeping. This is a late time for a call. Um, definitely whatever you want to do. But she said, I don't want the phone by me anymore. Well, she started watching a show to help her calm herself down on her iPad and her text messages are linked into her iPad so some more texts were coming in and that's what was upsetting her was this continued barrage of harassment call me call me call me call me and the last one said lol which I think is inappropriate (laughs) among all the other things lol you're supposed to be calling me every day at 8 p.m. that I don't see you According to the shared parenting agreement, your mother is in so much violation, period. What do you think an 11 and a half year old that has been through hell and back, every kind of system, through all kinds of stuff, what do you think that meant to her? What do you think that she thought? She thought I was breaking the law and I would, they were going to come get me and take me away to jail or that she was in trouble and she was going to go to jail. Well, I'll tell you, the sheriff was not standing for any of this. But because he is a law-abiding man, he wasn't sure about how to exactly help her through this because part of the agreement states that you cannot interfere with any of the communication. Well, I think at this point, it just only makes sense. She was already asleep. I think it just proves that he is so out of touch with his kids that he doesn't know what's going on. Big B, when I got home, she was finishing up some coping skills, some artwork that she was using for a coping skill to help settle herself down. She mentioned to me that her dad had called her and that she told him she didn't really want to talk and then hung up on him. (sighs) What do you guys think's going on? I'm wondering if he's just trying to document, quote unquote, and cover his bases He's stocking up his some of his tricky ammunition for the showdown. You know, I can be gunslinging with all the binders and 85,000 page paperwork and the pounds and pounds and pounds of paper that we have to go with. Uh, go in there with all kinds of different tools and equipment for the showdown. And, and we'll see what he shows up with. But it seems like he's trying to make a case at this point. But it's so inappropriate. Whether or not quote-unquote, your mom is in such violation. He's clearly in violation at this point. Oh, it's very frustrating. Then I got an email this morning from Nim stating, remember, he just told me a couple days ago he only wants Saturday, Sunday afternoon visit this week, that he is taking them Saturday from about noon until nighttime, past Brea's bedtime, 
and on Sunday afternoon. Yes, thank God he does not want them overnight. He should have had them Thursday because those are his nights. He should have had them picking them up from school and taking them. But Mr. Nim is not allowed on campus at school. I'm headed there now to go do the pickup like I have for the last year because Nim got busted at school last fall for lewd and lascivious or whatever it is. Y'all know what I'm talking about. At he was secretly videotaping girls at the football games at their school. Yes, you heard me right. Now, y'all know, you guys know, I'm doing my y'all and you guys, you guys know I was suspicious when every Friday that he had them, he was taking them to the football games. I could not figure it out. The man hates the weather. He hates crowds. He hates people. He hates talking to people. He hates anything Christian or religious. He hates anything private. He hates all of this. Why on earth is he taking them? Well, a couple of ideas. Either one, he was trying to seduce a woman into taking care of him and making himself look cool by saying that he was going to the football games, although he's a liar. He doesn't have to say that he was going there. That's what gets really confusing. Or he can, I don't know. I just knew something was suspicious. It's not like he went and talked. The bees told me that when they were there, they just casually mentioned that they don't sit with him or do anything with him. He gives them a couple bucks. They buy stuff from the concessions. They run around with their friends the whole time, and they're not sure what he does. Well, we know one night what he did. Real quick story here. Real quick story, just to sum it up. No need to drag this one out. I've dragged out enough stuff already. He was videotaping girls that were there and he was trying to secretly do it and several people saw what was on his phone and what he was zooming in on their private areas and I'm not talking about cheerleaders and zooming in on just girls who were performing or there no these were just girls who were walking around and uh very scary very very young very young girls about middle age middle school high school some people saw it, including, including former military, one of the bees teachers. They reported him to the people. Now, what's interesting is that day, the administrators who know our story from the last five or six years that they were at school, the administrators who knew our story were not there that night. The two new administrators who were there who didn't know our story were there and they didn't know. They didn't know that this is uh, Mr. Nim and that he, da da da, this is the history here and yada yada. And somehow the sheriff who was there on campus uh, asked him to show him his phone. He refused. They told him he needed to leave immediately. He was escorted off the property. Then the bees were called by the loudspeaker to come and pick them uh, that they were needed to report to the concession stand. Then their regular sheriff that uh, patrols at the school all day walked them off campus, they know her, and got into his car. And, you know, he has all kinds of stuff, and sometime I'll read y'all his garbage about it, but he said that 
uh, he wasn't doing anything wrong, of course. Um, and it turned out that then I had to contact a bunch of people to find out about this over the weekend. And I ended up going in the next day to find out what was going on, talked to several administrators and they said that they were going to issue him a no trespass, that he couldn't go on school property at all. The reason that they did not press charges was at that moment, they were pressing charges later, but they didn't press charges at that moment with him is because they didn't really know if this was a chronic situation or a one-time bad thing, they wanted to give grace. But then when the other administrators heard what happened and who it was, they immediately said absolutely not and dealt with everything there. So hence, in the big white horse, headed to pick up the girls like I do because he's not allowed there on campus. So that's about it. We'll see what happens. I'll be tuning in again to give you one more update before the showdown. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone. Yes, my voice is a bit raspy this morning. I'm headed to the showdown. Got all my tools ready. I've been praying. I know I have a lot of love and support around me today as I head in. I've been using my coping skills... I've been spending time with friends. I've been spending time with people that I know love and care about me. I've been quiet at times, and sometimes I've been funny and watching shows. I think the biggest thing is I've done things to help me stay grounded. Especially this morning, it was really important for me last night to get a good night's sleep. And even though there's a little bit of calamity going on in the background, our air conditioning is out. So we've been sleeping and trying to exist in our house for a day or so without air. And luckily it's not too hot this time of year right now. So that'll get, that'll get fixed and repaired and I'm not going to get distracted by any of that. As I prepare to go into the showdown this morning, I have had some... Some advice thrown my way. I think that some of the advice that I like the best is to keep an eye on what I want after this. What do I want out of this situation? What is the best hope that I would like for mediation? So when when you're headed into mediation, it's important to remember to listen and ask what the laws and the rules are regarding your mediation time. I really want to encourage anybody who's headed into mediation, even if you've done it once before or several times before, I really want to encourage you to ask questions like, how long do I need to stay? What happens if we don't make a decision here? And make sure that you're not rushed. That's that's one thing that happened to me last time is I really felt rushed. There was a lot of time wasted with Nim complaining and going off. Remember, it's the narcissist and sociopath's time to shine. They're really under the gun here, literally, at the showdown. And they're going to try to hurry it up to get you to relent or misstep, anything like that. So it's really a good idea to 
Take it slow. I want to encourage you to take deep breathing when you're headed into a mediation. Take some deep breaths like I've been doing. Keep your breathing. Remember to keep your mind distracted if you can. And the other piece of advice that I got this week was don't overthink it as you're heading into it. And I really needed to hear that for myself. I don't know how many of you out there also overthink things. What if this? What if that? Thinking about the old stuff. And I think for me that was the biggest challenge this week as I could feel my body getting ready to have a panic attack because I've this is the history and my body just knows doing this can be a panic attack. Now, I can walk into that same courthouse, go into an um well, I guess I wouldn't go into somebody's mediation, but I've gone into as a expert witness for testifying and doing depositions and I I feel completely fine. So, I decided that I'm just going to recognize in my body that it's a signal that there was danger all these other times. I'm not going to to let that signal take over my entire thought process. I'm recognizing it, I'm breathing, and I'm letting the anxiety flow through me. And I'm reminding myself that right now, at this very moment, as far as I know, everything is okay. And I'll continue to remind myself of that as I approach the courthouse and everything else. So, all right, here we go. We're headed out to the showdown and and let's see what happens. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate all your support. I will catch you on the flip side in the next episode to find out what happened at the showdown.